Welcome back to Ravens Recap, where about an hour before kickoff, we got the surprise announcement. Lamar Jackson was too sick to play quarterback, not with COVID, not with influenza. We hear from John Harbaugh, but still too sick to go. Ravens would turn to Tyler Huntley for his first NFL start, of which we learned from ESPN Stats and Information. He had to compete with a 2-0 record that the two quarterbacks from 2008 on, who had made their first NFL starts to the Ravens, had one. That was Joe Flacco and Lamar Jackson. Huntley coming in with a lot less pedigree, a lot less of a skill set. No offense to him, but it's the reality. Uh, but the Ravens were able to come out with a, a, another close win, their first ever at Soldier Field. These heart attacks are not going to stop. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Uh, just uh, initial reaction, man, it was just... Oh, nail biter frustrating uh relieved at the very end <laughs> gosh man it was just a game too close to call uh, it was just frustrating that we had to go through it but i mean man proud of the guy i mean proud of huntley too i mean the poise i think at the end to be able to uh, get that game winning drive going awesome for him i hope he's on the bench next week <laughs> but <laughs> but uh gosh what a nail biter. Yeah, I definitely uh I hit the blue tent after the uh go ahead touchdown because I like let out an exhale of just like happiness that they they were able to pull it out and get in the end zone and I just fell backwards into my seat after like kind of punching the air for the go ahead and I have a concrete wall behind me and I bumped my head. <laughs> Once to the blue tent, no no signs of concussion. But oh, that's uh, good. <laughs> but i felt good yeah i was i was so like i was very quiet most of the game but i just really like wanted it <laughs> i guess and I, I let it out when they uh they went ahead because uh i was talking to a, a friend about the game and he was like your defense look is like they're doing really great i'm like oh don't you worry this is every single week all they'll have to do is have one stroke and it'll be all over <laughs> and sure enough like we had two of those and you know, you're just like, gosh, like, is this going to be a yet another week? Understand more understandably than against Miami, where the defense all in all does a pretty good job. They don't let up many points, but your offense just is unable to deliver. But luckily, that final drive happened. And uh, I think it was kind of cool that Snoop had to go get the touchdown and they couldn't win by a field goal. And I think that like was really good for like his confidence, the team's confidence that they could do it and just like, you know, winning the hard way not just taking the easy way out, which they've done a couple times. <laughs> easy being relative, obviously. But Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, I don't know if yesterday's game was a must-win for the Ravens, but it, it certainly wouldn't have felt too great if they hadn't pulled that out, given the debacle that happened on Thursday Night Football, as we talked extensively about last week. But you, you love to see it. You love to see it. I think that gives... You know, like we're saying, hopefully we don't need to see Huntley as a starting quarterback for the Ravens ever again. Um, you know, he can go play somewhere else. Uh, hopefully Lamar Jackson is is under center for the rest of it. Ravens were, since 2008, Joe Flacco and Lamar Jackson combined for missing only seven starts. Six of those were Flacco in 2015. And the Ravens were two and five in those games coming into the weekend. Uh, but Huntley, you know, obviously the Ravens had to have known that there was a chance that Lamar wasn't going to play. So I'm sure it wasn't a surprise to him that he had to start, but still, you know, he was going, waking up on Sunday and he didn't really know from what we know, whether or not he was going to be the starting quarterback under center. So props for him for the composure. Uh, I think that, 
Obviously, he did not play a perfect game, but like we're saying, he did what the team needed to do for a win. I think that final drive was was excellent. I mean, he had just put aside anything that went wrong and just focused on went right and got the team in position for that touchdown. And, you know, he's a Raven now. Good for him. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't, you know, super pretty from Huntley, but it was, like you said, it was enough to get it done. I thought his pocket awareness was very questionable um, and just... There was a, you know, the ball security issues. We saw uh, the fumble that did occur. Luckily, it didn't burn us. And Chris was quick to point out, like, you know, he was lucky to hold on to it that first drive. The thing that was kind of cool to me about how they ran the offense with Huntley and is a testament to the coaching staff and the front office is that they, they truly did the Lamar game plan, even with Huntley. I felt like the offense didn't look too different. And in fact, they kind of built on and refined some of the offensive concepts we've been seeing over the last few weeks. So um, just to point a few out, I think this was like really good work by Mr. Roman, you know, who got a lot of heat for last week's game. But I think he shifted the pocket to create nice lanes and separation in the pass plays, uh, specifically the one to Mark Andrews. Really well blocked screen for a car that could have been huge if uh, the ball was placed better. And then you had um, a lot of Duvernay motion Duvernay! <laughs> that resulted in, um, you know, kind of threatening the edge. Not all those plays worked. Obviously, one of them was a big loss because... Uh, there was unblocked defenders and it didn't work out. But um, I think the really cool part about that was seeing like Duvernay's play improved where he's actually been really blocking well in those plays as well. So he's not just like the speed decoy, but he's also creating lanes. Um, and like the last thing that I thought was super savvy is after they did the, uh, the classic left side bash play for the fourth and short, they like hurried up to the line and got the ball to Bateman while they were still trying to get their defenders in place and got a nice, like, easy first down and, like, chunk play. I thought that was super savvy. And apparently above board, despite despite the concerns it wasn't, it actually was above board. And uh, like they said later on, I think we'll see more of it because I don't know if any other teams actually pulled that stunt yet. What, what do you mean by above board? The, the rule has changed that and it might be based on two-minute warning. It might be just, like, in general. But even though you need to give the team an opportunity to do their substitutions, you do not need to wait for them to be fully set. So if you're able to do your substitutions and set faster than they are, uh, fair enough. Gotcha. I actually didn't even, didn't even know that was a rule. <laughs> yeah, they, they brought it up during the broadcast. That was the first time I had heard of that rule as well. Yeah, it just it just changed. This is new. Mm. Yeah. This year. Oh, good for the Ravens for being on top of that. They're like king rule committee, man. They like, <laughs> they're so active with the rules. I feel like they're definitely going to be the team that pulled the stunt. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it was one of those things that was kind of cool to see, uh, the Ravens like kind of pull off. I mean, it's a little like ticky tacky and I wouldn't be shocked if they changed it again, <laughs> but you know, it's cool when it works for you. Yeah. Yeah. A couple good things that, well, a couple good and I guess bad things I guess I'll add on to those list of observations. I mean, yeah, one, um, yeah, overall, you know, I agree with you, Alec. I think the offense was, you know, a fit Huntley. Um, I think the, the biggest part for me, um, for Huntley was just, you know, again, the, the pocket presence was just not really there. Um, there were just far too many times he didn't step up into the pocket and he would just keep dropping back and he ended up with six sacks. Um, so obviously that's not great. Um, you know, fortunately he didn't, was, didn't turn the ball over. That was also good. You know, that fumble could have, but, uh, you know, overall I thought it was, it was fairly good. Um, at least expected for a backup quarterback. I thought overall it was pretty good. You just like to see him learn a little bit more from that, you know, step up in the pocket a little bit, try to make a few more accurate passes. But I mean, I tell you that clutch play at the end, 
that busted coverage should get that ball down to Sammy Watkins. I was just happy he hit that pass. I mean, if you're talking like the Bills game where we had those same opportunities, Huntley would just overthrow him. We didn't even have a chance to make those plays. So um, it's definitely an improvement, I think, from where he was last year. Still has a long way to go. Still, I don't think he's not going to be our starting quarterback. Lamar needs to be healthy for us to make a run. But I think Huntley definitely showed that he was serviceable this game. Uh, the other thing to keep in mind, too, the offense was kind of hamstrung a little bit, was that Hollywood Brown also was not playing this game as well. So he had a thigh injury. So he was uh, marked out, I believe, Saturday. So, um, yeah, it was really an offense was relying a lot on Mark Andrews. Uh, Sammy Watkins showed up a little bit more this game. I think he ended up with three catches uh, on four attempts. And Rashad Bateman, while still has yet to find the end zone for any of my bull predictions, um, did show up in a big way, particularly on that last drive with a couple of those uh, defensive pass interference calls. Not on the stat sheet, but a pro move. Um, he was targeted six times, and he had two uh, DPIs. So, And I know what the last one is. The sixth, sixth one was a sideline pass that had like almost no chance of getting completed. So Bateman always making the most of his opportunities, even if it doesn't show up that way on the stat sheet. And uh, yeah, he was he was great that game. And like you said, it was a much better game from Watkins. Um, obviously, he had that kind of Lions throwback heroic play to set up the game winner. And that was critical. I think, though, if we're talking about wide receivers or pass catchers, Mark Andrews, huge step up game, uh, 10 targets, eight receptions for 73 yards, no score, but he was a safety blanket for Huntley. He went to him in a lot of uh, third down situations that needed a conversion. And I thought it was really good of Mark Andrews to step up in that occasion. Absolutely. I think uh, he, he really stepped up and had a big game, especially when you just consider, you know, Huntley going into his first game. Timing wasn't necessarily there with all his receivers. And uh, in the case of Andrews, there were a couple times, uh, his first catch, I believe, there was, that was the one where he had to extend pretty much as far as he could <laughs> and just tap the ball that was overthrown one-handed and corral it for a nice, uh, I think, 16-yard catch. That was a great heads-up play there. Um, then there was a couple other times where Huntley was on a rollout and he just threw the ball late to Andrews, but he, I think he did an exceptional job in adjusting his route and, and figuring out how to still get the ball, even when it wasn't in the most opportune spot in regards to his placement with the defender. Yes, there was that, that pick that was intended to him uh, late in, I believe it was the third quarter. Could he have done more to to avoid the interception there. I I don't know. I think that was a tough play and just a, a great play by the Bears defense there. I think you just got to sweep that one under the rug and, and let it go. But Sammy Watkins too. Yeah. I, he again was not called to do much. Chris has it right. Three catches for 48 yards on four targets, but obviously that, that catch at the end, that was big. And I know that we've talked about Sammy Watkins and how he's had some some hiccups in his game, particularly in Miami. He had that fumble against Kansas City, a couple drops as well this year, but it is now the third game this season where he's had a clutch catch uh, in, in a close game. Obviously, it happened against Vegas, happened against Detroit, now against Chicago to set the Ravens up for a go-ahead or tying score. I'd love to see some more consistency from the guy, but you have to admit he's got a clutch, he's got clutch game, and that is important, and he's... We might have to suffer a little bit of the bad Sammy still, but I think that that's something that you still want to heavily rely on uh, in these close games that the Ravens keep getting themselves into. I'm just proud of Duvernay too, man. Like what a wide receiver to be the fourth guy potentially, but having to step up in this game, playing a large majority of the snaps 
uh, not just on special teams, but also the offense, and to get that clutch catch on the sideline, be able to keep his feet in bounds, go up the yard, you know, up the field a little bit more to get out of bounds. Um, he did that a couple of times too, where he just like made a really nice catch. He's a weapon. And uh, with his extra, you know, blocking efforts, I think he's going to find more and more of a role on this team. And it gives me confidence going into next season that he could be a part of this offense. And, uh, you know, I, it's, I'm, I'm not sure what they're going to do with Sammy Watkins at this point. You know, it was a one year deal. I think he's enjoying playing in Baltimore because everyone does. And I think he's like pretty good for the cost that he was to the Ravens. But when you see the young talent that they have, I think they're going to end up just keeping the young talent and saying, all right, Sammy, we appreciate you this year, but I don't, I don't know if he has a role next year, but I definitely appreciate what he brings this year and that he's starting to look better post that injury. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And I, th- I think we see that a lot with free agents the Ravens bring in. You get one year out of them, maybe two if you're lucky, but that's pretty much it. So, I mean, what we're getting out of Sammy, if even if the Ravens keep him around, which I agree with you, I don't think they will, uh, with Duvernay stepping up. We did see uh, we did see Wallace get some offensive snaps too in this game. But he is looking expendable. That being said, I think I do still think this year, while Duvernay and Bateman are still getting up to speed, because they're both good now, but they also still have room to improve, and, and they're just going to be excellent once they're fully at their full potential. Free agents, they're available for a reason. We see this all the time. We're seeing it right now with Derek Wolf. Derek Wolf had one of the best seasons of his career last year. This year, mystery injury can't get on the field uh Calais Campbell seems to be one of the few guys that we're going to get a a second stellar season out of assuming he can stay healthy the rest of the season hopefully uh had a little bit of a of a scare there with his ankle but he was able to come back in and and at least still be an impact player so yeah I mean I think my point with Sammy is I think this year he's still a valuable asset but yeah obviously next year I think I, I think he's he'll probably be expendable with the what we expect Bateman and Duvernay uh, to progress to. Let's talk about the run game for a bit. I know one of the things that I was uh, really impressed with this game was just the, I think the growth and the comfort level for Devontae Freeman in this offense. I mean, you go back to, you know, week one, week two, when we first started to see him, um, you know, he'd be a little tentative receiving the handoffs and, you know, kind of dancing in the backfield a little bit, trying to make a cut and not really getting a whole lot of yards. Um, you look at the first quarter, uh, second quarter of the game film against the Chicago Bears. I mean, he is hitting the holes and he's hitting them really hard. Um, just looks like a completely different runner, in my opinion. And, uh, you know, this is actually one of the first games I think you can look at in quite a while, actually, where Ravens running back actually led the team in rushing. Devonta Freeman ended up with more yards than Tyler Huntley, which is not, you know, for a 2021 Ravens, that's not something that happens often. I at least know it happened against the Chargers because that was my bold prediction, I believe, <laughs> that the Ravens, a Ravens running back. wouldn't. I think Freeman beat Lamar by only like three yards or something very close. I know it wasn't three, but it was within that vicinity. But yeah, it's it's incredible to see Freeman just get more and more comfortable with this offense. I don't think he was the one that we were thinking if any of those three were going to, to end up being the starting running back and take the majority of the carries uh, when all these guys were signed. And Freeman was, was the last of the three I think we were picking. It's, it's obvious that physically he's not the back that he used to be, but the guy's got such a strong football IQ that he's understands his body what he's able to do right now and 
he's he just still has some some juice left in him um i think that like you're saying one of the most impressive things we saw from him this game was he was able to force some missed tackles uh I remember particularly one late in the game where Huntley hit him out on the flat behind the line of scrimmage. Uh, could have been a loss there, but he had some nifty footwork uh, just kind of shed the defender to the right and go upfield for about like a, a seven, eight-yard gain. Uh, it was pretty pretty clutch there um, to help get the Ravens in scoring position. So the thing with Freeman, though, it, we're still seeing him struggle against uh, some of the stronger rush defenses. We saw that against Miami, but... Uh, and some of these weaker ma- matchups that the Ravens are finding themselves in, he's been a really valuable weapon and kind of kind of underrated, really, these past couple weeks. One really cool thing with Freeman was the audible play. It looked like an audible, at least to me, where they, uh, third and four, quickly threw him in the flat as he crossed over and um, just beat the guy to the edge, you know, showing just enough juice to get to the first down marker and get that first down. I thought that was a really well-executed play. Because it was identifying, you know, taking what the defense is giving you, letting your player make a play to do the thing, and I thought that was uh, nice growth as well. I don't like, I don't know exactly how uh, who called it if it was it wasn't all of them or not. I don't know if it was Greg Roman, um, but again, I think a lot of pacing was better this game. Not perfect, you know, but it's hard to say anything's perfect. It's, it, they call a lot of plays, but I felt like the pacing was much better acknowledging where you were at and part of me wonders if that was the not having lamar factor really focus on great coaching like they had to out coach the bears and they had to do really good sequencing and i hope they bring that same energy to uh the lamar games as well because i think everyone can benefit from that and uh this is definitely an improvement Honestly, I think if Lamar had played and and obviously wasn't sick, because if he had played through a sickness, we can't don't really know if we would have expected the normal Lamar. If he had played, looking at how the defense was able to handle the Bears' offense and and just the play selection that the Ravens had, it seemed much better planned out than against Miami. Plenty of times on on third and manageable, you saw Huntley have several route options close to the sticks um, that he could get to quickly when the pocket collapsed. Uh, Lamar plays this game. I think the Ravens win by multiple scores. Uh, just the coaching staff, like you said, seemed a lot more prepared for this game. Um, th- they just had this one figured out much better than against Miami. Um, and you just got to give a, a props to the guys who were able to suit up that they were able to still execute even with some guys down. Yeah, definitely something uh, you know you can't overlook, right? Um, especially with after what happened with Miami. Um, give props to the coaching staff when they deserve it. <laughs> I think uh, this was definitely. A, I agree with all you guys. I mean, I think coaching was definitely on full display in this one. I think uh, some of the fans over in Chicago definitely looking at uh, Nagy and you know the uh, the calls for his firing. I think are getting much much louder after this game, particularly with a couple of those questionable calls. I mean, was it that one fourth and one play where? They were at the 50-yard line, and uh, all of a sudden, Nagy had a communication issue, and then he had to call a timeout, and then they decided to go for it. I thought that was a little questionable at that point. I'm sure Bears fans probably feel the same way. At least fortunately for the Ravens, at least on the other side, for the most part, you know, and, and particularly on offense, um, you know, I think, yeah, agree with you guys. I think the coaching staff definitely did a good job and to string enough plays together to be able to pull out the win, especially with all the people that were out this game. I appreciate the uh, finesse move by Harbaugh. I think he really ticks off the other team, but uh, it's great when 
on the, that fourth down play, they rush to the line. He goes over to the side judge, and he's like, let me get, let me get a look at this real quick before I call timeout. And then, like, right before the snap, like, <laughs> a half second. You know, you'd miss it if you had to do the back and forth with the, yeah. the timer. <laughs> you know? Right, right. He's like, timeout. And Montgomery's so upset. And it didn't really end up mattering. They still ended up converting the fourth down play. But I appreciate that, uh, that little, uh, you know, anything that would get a little bit of an advantage. I think that's something that can't be overlooked. It was funny, too, because all the questions for Harbaugh on the presser afterwards were about basically like not having Lamar and Huntley's performance, which is understandable. But at the same time, he was like, you want to hear about uh, timeout decisions? Or <laughs> He's like, I didn't think I think I did some other cool stuff you want to talk about. He's like, ah, you don't. All right. Here's Huntley. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny, right? The, yeah, the, guy, the guys at the presser, they always ask the coach when they make a bad decision, but they never really talk about any of the good decisions. <laughs> no, he's like, can I get a little credit? it's a thankless job yeah i think the coaching staff did well and i think an interesting decision point was uh some of the offensive line movements so um although cleveland was active this game i'm curious how healthy he actually is probably good enough for game action but not good enough to start doing the powers rotation so we didn't see him doing that this game in fact they used um tyree phillips in that role of the six linemen when necessary so I guess that's something to keep an eye on um, to see if next week they do any kind of rotation or if they're just comfortable with Powers as play. I thought you know McCarry in his first game back looked all right. Uh, definitely is not quite as mobile, so I think he's still recovering. I hope that we didn't rush him back, but uh, we're probably gonna need him for this long haul anyway. So it's always a balancing act when it comes to those injuries. So hopefully he keeps improving as time goes on. But uh, I thought the overall they did a pretty good job mostly creating running lanes. I know there were some injuries to the defense um, that the Bears had to face last minute that slowed them down and probably didn't make them as as good of a run defense as we talked about in the preview episode, but I do think they were able to get some really positive gains there, and I hope that just keeps continuing because this offense, I mean, it's obvious, right, but when they run well, is much more efficient, uh, and they'll. I think it'll lead to a lot more success if they can at all keep this up. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, like you're saying, the way the offensive line played is kind of on a curve, if you want to grade it, since uh, Bears were beat up and really didn't give the Ravens as big a challenge defensively as, as say, Miami did last week. That being said, yeah, I, I agree. I think run blocking in particular was was very good this week. Um, plenty of rushing holes for, for Freeman and for Murray was able to base his couple runs he had were basically i think they just gave him the ball and he just sprinted as fast as he could which isn't that right. fast at this age <laughs> and, and just just keep running until someone hits you basically um yeah. pass protection i thought was an improvement from from last week but i think part of that again like we said with the play calling was just the ravens it it probably wasn't any better than last week but it just looked better because the ravens called better play design in those situations and i i I do think that more of the sacks that Huntley suffered was more of a result, like Chris was saying earlier, of um, just the pocket presence that he needs to improve upon. There were definitely a couple times, uh, I can think of particular one in the first quarter where he had uh, he had both Andrews and Ricard as well. Ricard was probably the fourth read, but <laughs> both of them were pretty open close to the line of scrimmage, and Huntley uh, flushed to his left uh, I guess he didn't see them, and, and that I think was the one. I think that was the play that that was the fumble that went out of bounds, um, just as an example. But 
I agree. Like you said already, um, there was a couple times where the Ravens moved the pocket, uh, shifted Huntley out to the right, run the receivers left. You're able to get a nice gain out of that. So whether or not the, the linemen played better, I'd really have to look back and compare the tape between the two games. But uh, play calling was definitely better in this this case, and, and that, that just made the unit look better just as a result of that. All right, so we talked plenty about the offensive side of the ball. Uh, for the second week in the row, the Ravens' defense was stellar. Um, did give up two big plays again. Um, we'll talk about both those, one of which I think was just an excellent play designed by the Bears. Uh, the second one was, again, wink being wink, and I'm sh- we will definitely talk about that. But overall, start with the positive first. Ravens were suffocating against the run. Uh, had a great game plan to attack Justin Fields. He was never able to get into a groove until uh, he unfortunately got hurt. And then Ravens' old nemesis, the Red Rocket, Flaming Tomato, whatever you want to call him, Mr. Andy Dalton, came back, <laughs> came back into the Ravens' lives and 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 gave the Ravens a scare. But ultimately, uh, the defensive game plan was great for both quarterbacks and. Another great defensive performance. Uh, now we just got to see this Ravens defense do this against a real quarterback, but <laughs> still, I think plenty of positives to unpack uh, f- from this game. That's like four weeks away, dude. <laughs> right. <laughs> plenty of time to shore it up till then. <laughs> I'll hope I don't end up uh, eating those words, but. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> right. <Yeah. laughs> it's always fun to throw shade on your divisional rivals. Yeah. Another uh, another big thing with the defense, too, um, wasn't just the offense with injuries. Anthony Averett didn't play this game. Uh, Jimmy Smith was also out. So <laughs> for an already beat up Ravens secondary, uh, they had to pull out all the stops. You know, we called for freeing Washington. Both Washingtons have been freed. They were both active <laughs> this game. They both got some snaps. Overall, I mean, outside of a few of those broken plays and uh, to Mooney and, and to, uh, to Goodwin later that game, I, I thought overall things went fairly well. I thought the guys were, yeah, like you said, Peter, I think just limiting Justin Fields and he wasn't completing a whole lot of passes prior to his exit. I mean, he was only four for 11 for 79 yards. Um, you know, overall, I think the, you know, I think Wink will take that. I think Harves will take that. As far as the run uh, defense, overall it was okay. I can't say it was great. Um, I know David Montgomery ended up with 4.1 yards per carry and he had a couple of those runs that kind of like gashing us for like eight, eight nine yards a clip. Occasionally, we'd have a negative play here or there, which would be good, but I was a little worried that eventually they would kind of break a big one. Fortunately, mm-hmm. it never got to that point. Uh, Dalton came in at that point and, and just decided to sling it for a little bit, but I'd say on the positive side, though, look, I mean, again, outside of like the gaff, which we'll talk about in a second, like, um, you know, I think it's a second pretty solid performance from the Ravens overall in back-to-back weeks, so I mean, we're getting there. Like, it's not perfect, it's it's not, not there yet, but it's moving in the right direction. It was bonkers that uh, Averett and Jimmy were out, and we had to go to Westry, who just came back a week ago, uh, you know, for his action, and to have to lean on him like that. I thought, you know, obviously they decided they wanted to pick on him, and rightfully so, as the fourth cornerback, and he had his struggles. He definitely had some bad plays. Apparently, he takes it very uh, personally. Harbs was giving him a lot of credit, though. He thinks he's a very, uh, he cares a lot. He cares a lot about doing well, and uh, he's going to work his butt off to keep improving. And he 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 likes the work ethic of him, and he thinks like you know, good character, he'll be all right. Uh, so I thought that he did a lot of good, uh, you know, posturing for him after the game and saying you know he'll be better for it. I thought it was interesting though, seeing how they were deciding to pick on him 
And uh, unfortunately, that was probably the reason we ended up winning the game was that they weren't able to execute on those picks. There was a couple times that he definitely was out of position and it was a good idea to throw his way, but it was just bad throws. So definitely a, a thing that we want to clean up. And obviously we hope not to be in that position frequently where you're having a fourth cornerback playing almost all the snaps. But I definitely, you know, thought he held up decently well given the circumstance. And then I'll go a step further and say uh, to agree with you, Chris, on the running plays, you know, Monty looks pretty good. He had some nice burst. He had some ability to uh, break holes. And I thought at first we were having issues setting the edge. Um, it wasn't perfect. They were just, I mean, it wasn't like bad play by us. It just, they weren't quite slipping off their blocks to stop the play. That definitely improved um, pretty quickly. And then, like Peter said, once that improved, um, that, that part of their game plan was gone. They were really only able to get you know, a couple chunk plays up the middle and that wasn't even that frequent. So I think it was one of those adjustments that was made. And, um, you know, that, that's really promising to see, you know, you're allowed to get your seed legs under you and figure out how you're going to stop a team that you don't play often. You literally play them once every four years and, you know, come up with a game plan. So I thought that was a, a pretty good response by wink. Yeah. I mean, you look the, the, like we're saying the first drive of the game, Chicago, they were doing pretty well. They were doing pretty well. They had 10 play drive, 64 yards, um, had a shot at the touchdown, but uh, Patrick Queen made an excellent stop on third down, stuff for a loss on Montgomery where he just read the play perfectly, um, adjusted himself right before the, the snap uh, a little bit to, to his left and just shot up the right gap. They must have seen something on tape on that, but um, we'll get to Queen too because he had uh, another, stacked another very good game uh, on Sunday, but yeah, you look at this, they, they bears open up with a 10 play drive. But then after that three play drive, five play drive, five play drive, six plays, two, five, four, three. And then so the bears didn't have a, a drive with, with more than six plays until the, the drive where there was the busted coverage to, to Goodwin that put the bears ahead and, and required the Ravens score that game winning touchdown. So yeah, I, I, you got to look at that and, and again, just say <laughs> the Ravens, they, they saw what they needed to adjust to after that first drive and then held this offense in check long enough for Huntley and the Ravens to get their legs under them and figure out how they were going to attack the Bears defense. And luckily, it, it was enough to for the Ravens to come out with the win. Yeah, interesting developments by Patrick Queen. He actually played the most inside linebacker snaps. Fun fact, he played one more than Bynes. He had a great game, like you said, Peter, with that ability to go after and just like wrap up uh, and attack. He also had a good chase down of Fields, where he was one that made the tackle. Fields got a couple yards on the play, but he was able to just like use that speed to just strafe along and get the get the tackle. And all in all, I think Queen's improvement is uh, not to be ignored. And I think I don't know what happened where he ended up having more snaps than Bynes. Because I don't think he ever took back the mic, but it was definitely good to see that he's making as much impact as he can now with such a marginal impact to his snaps. And this game, for the first time, no impact. Yeah, he's been playing great, kind of going by silently. I don't know. Um, I'm sure some people on Ravens Twitter are definitely calling it out and, and saying you know that he's been doing good and things have been getting better. But people need to be calling him out less and less for the bad plays. Like he has been stringing together a lot of games, uh, a lot of positive plays back to back to back to back. 
um, you know, a lot of these uh, negative plays that we're talking about, I mean, we're not, they're not of the fault of Queen. In fact, I, I, I think it was this game. I remember uh, calling out to you guys. There was a, you know, I, I don't, I think it was just an incompletion. Um, but I remember I seen Queen drop really far back into a zone and kind of get in the way of some of those passes to be able to kind of throw it off a little mm-hmm. bit. And I've looked at that play and I'm like, that's exactly what we needed him to do. Like we have not seen that from Queen. He gets his eyes stuck in the backfield. He thinks it's going to be run play and it just starts right behind him. I'm like, that was the play. He knew exactly what the right thing was to do in that situation. And it's a huge improvement from him. But yeah, I mean, you know, again, the, the tackle for loss, I think is a great, you know, uh, uh, example of just you know he's a lot more comfortable he's he's comfortable in that situation he knows what's going to happen he makes the right call and then at that point it's just him using his athleticism to make the play and we know that he has the athleticism to make the play it's just all about the mental ability for him and can he recognize the right place is he in the right position at the right time and yeah it's it's starting to come together and he's looking pretty dang good yeah, I think we're finally seeing the Patrick Queen that we saw in the preseason, which is is excellent because that guy looked really good, and and this guy, this guy's really starting to flash. And as we've talked about with this guy's athleticism, it was just you know he needs he's just a little more confidence, a little more understanding of the game. Needs just the game to slow down a bit for him, um, and we're finally seeing uh, the start of that, and that's. That's really big positive for the future of this Ravens defense if if this trend continues. I think another guy who had a big game, a guy who's who's been been having a good season, but a little more underrated. He's been doing some some more things that don't uh, always pop up on the stat sheet or the highlight reels, but uh, he definitely popped up big on the highlight reels this week. Tyus Bowser had definitely had his best game of the season, one of the best games of his career against Chicago. He was just in the in the backfield all day, just harassing whether it was Fields or Dalton. Obviously had the sack that ended the game, uh, could have had another sack earlier, but it was called back on, I believe, a, a defensive holding penalty. Um, yep, on Humphrey. Yeah, uh, questionable call, but but still none of that was on Bowser. It was an excellent play by him on that play. Monster game from him. Uh, nothing bad you can say about him from yesterday. He just did, he did everything and put together an, another great game on what's been a, a very good season for this guy. Yeah, Bowser for me... Uh, <laughs> Uh, man, we've been talking about the defense stepping up and being able to make a play and finish the game when the offense is struggling a little bit. Um, <laughs> Bowser was not the hero that we expected, but he was the one that we needed, and he's the one that delivered this game for sure. Uh, King Koopa was in full force, and gosh, man, yeah, when he's when he sacked Alden at the end of that game, I was just like. I, I was just so happy. <laughs> I was like, I was, I was just, I, I wanted to go home at that point. I was already home, but I wanted, like, I felt like I was in Chicago and I just wanted to go home. I was like, please, somebody make a play. <laughs> and yeah, Bowser. Um, yeah, man, I totally agree with everything. He had a, a fantastic game. Um, was, was playing absolutely great. Um, really wish he was able to get that third sack because, yeah, it, it just the effort that he was putting together. I think was. Uh, extremely worthy of uh, of an MVP performance this game. I hope he got a game ball. I actually don't know if uh don't know if he did, but he didn't. They was all what? distracted by Huntley. Yeah, they only uh, gave one to Huntley. I I I mean at least from mm. what I could see of the post game speech, which is is actually really good. I, I recommend everyone listen to it. But uh yeah, they were like, let's give one to Huntley and everyone was like snooze, snooze, snooze and that was it. And then he like broke them and that was it. And I was like, come on <laughs> Ty's had a great game. King Koopa. I like that too. That's pretty funny. I think it's time to talk about the secondary. 
Ups and downs for sure. Obviously, you know, overall kept the passing attack at bay, but there were two big gaff plays that I guess need a little extra scrutiny and uh, consideration. So the first one, um, Peter, why don't you talk about it? Because you kind of alluded to it earlier. Yeah, so the first one was uh, the second snap Andy Dalton took that entire game. Um, He came out and they had a a short pass for first down, I believe. Maybe it's to Jimmy Graham. I can't remember exactly, but... The second play, the Bears just set up a, a simple screen to the outside to Darnell Mooney, who we talked about with uh, with Julio in the preview episode, the Bears' new top target. Uh, and the guys got speed. Um, and honestly, that play sucked, seeing it in real time, especially when it looked like it was possibly going to be a game where the offense wouldn't have to do anything and the defense would just win it for the Ravens. But I can understand why fans are frustrated by that play uh, because the Ravens have given up so many big plays this year. But in my mind, I, I just looked at that play and I saw the blocking that the Bears did. And, you know, the Ravens tackled great this game. They couldn't tackle Mooney on that play. I think just he was just able to get up to speed so quickly. And that guy is is fast. I just... It's, it's not that easy to tackle a guy who's got that much speed. <laughs> so it, it sucked, but I, I don't look at that play and get too worried about it but the other big play is something we've seen several times this year and i'll I'll hand that off to to you guys to talk about that one i think first before we talk about it i think maybe we did a disservice to the ravens recap community when we talked about mooney um just because i think i don't know if we really said like you know a lot of people have considered him a a hollywood brown light like that's actually a comp a cop for him like tyree kill hollywood brown like that's the kind of speed and explosiveness that he brings to plays so when you see it happen to you, you're less accepting of it. Now, it, it doesn't help that I think Westry took a bad angle. for the. He didn't even get a chance to tackle him because he kind of ran into the blocker. And then, um, you know, similarly, you see, like, Stevens block Chuck or, like, tackle Chuck Clark. <laughs> you know, like, I think that was the, the combination. Yeah. Like, that's the that's some crap, right? Like, you hate seeing that. But uh, like you said, Peter, I think a lot of it had to do down with play design and the playmaker having the ball in his hands and doing good work. Yeah, sometimes you just got to tip the cap to the opposition. Just be like, all right, sure, we could have done everything perfect and stopped that, but also you guys did that really well. So sometimes it's going to happen. Right. Yeah, the only thing for me I I take away from that is Brandon Stevens is is still very much a rookie. I think in a handful of plays like that this game where it's just like, you know, you're free safety, the last line defense. Like you can't, you got to be making the play. Uh, Like if you're not going to make it, nobody else in. But um I mean, that's on him, and he knows that, and he's going to learn from it and all that good stuff. You know, it's hard to expect that from a third-round rookie. Um, you know, the Ravens are good at drafting third-rounders, but uh, they take a little while to develop. You know, they're not always, like, a immediate hit right after they draft them. So, But, yeah, on Mooney, though, um, yeah, gosh, seeing him in person, you know, I guess that's probably, like, the first film that I've seen from him myself. And, yeah, dude, I mean, he's got a just – a crazy combination of speed and just the strides that he takes seem like they're really long. It just seems like he can really cover ground very quickly. And his catch radius is insane. Like, I mean, I see some of that and I'm thinking like uh, Hopkins, basically. I mean, you just see him jump up in the air and like seemingly catch a ball that he has no business catching. But even then, like I, he's got like more speed than Hopkins. So um, yeah, just a insane athlete. And, you know, seeing him get, 120 yards on this defense like yeah <laughs> i gotta tip the tip my cap that guy and he's legit he's a good good weapon that the bears have there who has him in dynasty 
Um, it's a good pick. No. Yeah. <laughs> hey, man, I'm trying to thank this year. He, he made me win. I can't have that. Yeah. Yeah, true. Let's talk about the other play, right? So it was fourth and six, and there was an offsides by the offense, making it fourth and 11. And it looked like the Ravens came out with the exact same look. They were uh, in that zero blitz, everyone at the line situation. And I'll, I'll just give my take of it right now. When I was watching it live, I was a little concerned, not because of the zero blitz aspect, just because they looked like they were still talking to one another when the play got you know snapped, which doesn't feel good. And I think it's part of the reason why when you bring all those people, you still didn't get any real significant rush. Now, granted, uh, he got smacked when he delivered the ball, but I felt like he had enough time to like have it develop for him. Right. Like, you know, a, a double move route takes time. And I think if it was a really well executed blitz, he wouldn't have had time to, to wait for it. So I thought that was the biggest problem is that they didn't actually execute the blitz well, resulting in Westry, you know, not having the, uh, he, he messed up his coverage and got beat. So that was kind of the combination that went bad there. And I'm going to just make an overall comment. If you looked at the zero blitzes, or just blitzes in general the Ravens have done. I think maybe one of the reasons they're having issues um, getting those sack numbers with their players is they seemingly slower to actually commit to their blitz. So it's a delayed blitz, but by the time they decide to engage, they're basically completely out of the play. And um, obviously they, they could stop, like, they're spying, you know, they could stop the quarterback and Fields is a, a threat, uh, for instance, in this game, but... I just felt like that might be the biggest issue is that they just, they don't actually blitz, <laughs> you know, like the, the delayed blitz is only good if you actually can, you know, make an impact. I felt like half the time they were just staying around the line trying to figure out what to do and it wasn't great. Or you have multiple guys go at the same blocker and they didn't find the hole next to them and, you know, they gave the guy easy work. So that, uh, that's kind of what I observed from the zero blitzes. Yeah, yeah. My only comment to add on that is is I just wonder how much of that is the actual design of the play and then how much of it is these some of these guys executing it are young and maybe they're not, you know, hitting their gaps with as much the speed and anticipation as, as they'll need to. And it might be a little too complex given the collective experience of the unit. That being said, it could just be the design. Like you said, it's it's you know, a delayed blitz and that can work in causing confusion, but at the same time, like you're saying, the downside of it is, well, you're gambling on if you're going to get to the quarterback fast enough. So um, I'm sure Wink knows that. <laughs> I'm sure the Ravens defense knows that. I'm sure that's something they're continuing to work on, and and hopefully we'll, as the season progresses, we'll see them capitalize on those plays a lot more often than they have been so far this year, and we'll we won't have to see any more of those long touchdown passes to third and fourth string receivers anymore. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Part of me is kind of <laughs> done with it. I don't know, man. Like we can clearly get pressure with our pass rushers. I mean, Oway, Bowser, Houston, a Campbell. We can get the sacks. We can get some pressures. I think with four or five guys. Like, I mean, even even if we want to bring two extra guys, kind of make it six. Like, okay, you could do a little bit of like you know, have everybody at the line drop a few, and or you know, maybe do some sort of like pre-stat motion or something like that. But it's just like. <sighs> I'm, I'm I'm really like I'm really done. I'm really done with the all out blitzes in those situations. I'd be really curious to just kind of know the 
the stats on like pressure rates, you know, based on who is being uh, blitzed, you know, who's actually coming at the quarterback. If it's, you know, you have three, four, five, six, seven, eight, however many guys. At some point, like, yeah, like understood that there, there are some guys on this defense that are new. They're winning the position. That makes sense. But like, I don't know, man. Like, I just, <laughs> I want Chuck Clark back there. Uh, he's, you know, or, you know, Jimmy Smith or Marlon Humphrey, like whoever, like I want somebody, I want a vet back there to be able to make play (laughs) if, you know, if something goes bad or make a tackle, you know, don't let somebody score in that situation. Like, I mean, gosh, man, like we just have too many of these big plays being let up and I would just, I want to have, (laughs) I want to have... I want to have some more safety. I want to know that it's going to be okay. I don't want to gamble so much in those situations. I mean, part of me is also wondering if just like, you know, like I said, we have guys who can definitely uh, blitz, rush the passer. And, uh, you know, just let them work, you know? It's just, you know, the the more guys you have there, the harder it is to be able to get around guys and actually get somebody to hit um, until, yeah, uh, until it's too late. So, I mean, I'm sure it's going to happen again. (laughs) <laughs> that's that's Wink's mo. I will say to his credit, though, um, one other thing, just so it's not like an anti-Wink uh, tirade right here. But um, I thought throughout the game there were a good number of plays that I could see that were more just kind of generic cover two, cover four, not as many sort of cover one looks. I think in this game, particularly early on, um, which I thought was good. I mean, it was just another like good look to to kind of give the Bears something a little bit different. You know, I still think, you know, Mooney and, uh, you know, that one big pass to, to Goodwin, I think kind of, um, you know, made the stats kind of look worse than they were. But, you know, overall, I, I thought that it was good to kind of get those other looks in there. I hope that continues. You know, we don't have to be moving to like a cover two, cover three team all the time, but uh, mixing it up eventually and, you know, not having as many blitz in there all the time, I think it's a, it's a good thing. So I'll also just like, let's talk about this, man. They gave up 13 points. The Ravens offense should always score 14 points or more. Like, that's winning football. At the end of the day, man, they're giving an offense a lot of a chance to win. And that's really what you're asking your defense to do. And they were able to generate a turnover this game, which was really great to see. They've been having a hard time doing that with the fumble. Also, I think, caused by uh, Bowser. Um, there was a yep. blocked punt that, you know, helped kick really daddy. Helped. <laughs> daddy, his new name. You know, like, that was a, a huge swing play. And I think, you know, at the end of the day, this defense and special teams, unit, which I kind of feel they're closer bunched, right? Um, They they're doing really good work this year. And I've heard a lot of people say the Ravens defense is bad after this game. That's the take that they're taking. And they're just taking the stats and they're, you know, after after this game. Yeah. Yeah. No, they are. And I think it's just because the the big plays, man, they're just like tired of the big plays. And I get it. And like, you know, they're oh, it's week 11. But I I think they can change on a, a dime. And I. I really think, you know, when you're talking about a lot of the personnel that was missing this game, there's there's a lot of reasons to still think they can change it. And obviously, I'll say that to our grave, right? <laughs> that they, they, they have time to change it. Uh, they'll have time until they don't anymore. But uh, the season's still young. And that's like the hard part to believe. I feel like we've been doing this forever and like we're only halfway through, really. So, um, yeah, it's there's a lot of season left guys. We, the defense, if they start looking sharp by the end of it is the time of year you want it. Yeah, definitely. That is an interesting take. I, I think that the past two weeks, the, the defense has been very good. I, I wouldn't say stellar, but I think very good. 
not even just in comparison to what they they did early in the year. I just think overall, you're seeing a lot. We're seeing them finally tackle. Past two weeks, they finally all tackled. They're, they're seeing way less missed tackles than before. We're seeing plays like we said. There's there's more turnover. There's actually turnovers. Um, there's some opportunities for other turnovers that have happened as well that they just weren't quite able to complete on. However, of course, the caveat is the past two offenses they've played have not been good. So it is good to see them do well against poor competition, but we will need to see them do this do well against actual competition. I can understand that argument, but it's a pass-happy league in the NFL. Big plays, even the best defenses are going to give up big plays. The Titans just lost to the Texans. This NFL season makes no sense. <laughs> it's, yeah, the, I, and the Bills were stymied again, right? right like, yeah, right. I, yeah. I, I think in the, today's NFL, you go a, a whole game and you only give up two big plays, that's a victory. Yeah, that one long touchdown run to Jonathan Taylor back in week five now doesn't seem so bad <laughs> after his 50-burger he put up yesterday oh, with five just, touchdowns. So. Man, just taking over the league. You guys are definitely right. Like Things are definitely looking better. Um, it's not perfect. It's trending in the right direction, but gosh, man. Yeah. It's just, it, it makes you wonder too. Like, you know, one of the things I was just wondering about, uh, yesterday was that in an alternate universe where Earl Thomas isn't a shitty teammate, uh, <laughs> and he stays on the Ravens, is he like the missing piece? Because he is the true, he was the true center fielder, right? He, he could be the guy that you could put back in there and cover one and be able to uh, rely on to be able to make an interception and a crucial, you know, leverage play, right? Swing the game. But we don't have him. We have Chuck Clark, who is not the same and is frequently brought in to blitz. And we had Deshaun Elliott, but now he's hurt. And now we have Brandon Stevens, who right now he's is young. not that guy. <laughs> yeah. Young, he's not that guy. So, um, like for me, it's like if we had Ed Reed or Earl Thomas on this team, like that would be the difference. Like you could rush, <laughs> you could rush seven, you could rush eight. If you had a guy back there who could run at any part of the field and make a play or at least break up the pass, that's the missing piece. DeCosta better find one next year in the in the draft and give it to Wink because I think that would be just a game changer for this defense. Yeah, definitely, definitely. We I, we've talked about it too on the past two uh, past two draft uh, pre draft shows we've done. I I know I know we definitely talked about it in in going into the twenty twenty draft that the safety was a uh, position of need. Uh, we talked about it to a lesser extent this previous year because I think you know obviously Chuck Clark stepped up and and did very well. But yes, like you're saying. There's some things that Earl Thomas could do that that Chuck Clark doesn't have in his game right now. It may not because you know just they're different athletes or different types of players. It's a real shame that that Earl Thomas uh, what happened did because he was a perfect fit on this defense and had a stellar year in 2019. Um, but it just yeah it just didn't work out. And looking back at the contract, four year, 55 million dollar deal. I know that a lot of that money was front loaded so that the Ravens uh, could wouldn't be that big a deal if to cut him in year three or four. So, you know, maybe there were some questions about physically, if he'd still be the same player at this point. Um, he is currently 32 years old, which is kind of borderline for that, uh, type of player. We've seen safeties play later than that. We've seen safeties burn out earlier than that. So, um, but yeah, I fully agree. Like a player like Earl Thomas is what this team is missing right now. And, just going to have to wait either for, for Stevens to develop into that, which, you know, we'll see what his ceiling is or see what will come along in the upcoming draft to replace that. Um, but 
yeah, for now, Ravens, I guess, are just going to have to make do with what they've got. Not to be forgotten was the special teams play. And uh, we alluded, obviously, to the blocked punt. But let's give it up for Tucker on his 32nd birthday, converting field goals and a swirling Chicago wins. I think that was uh, great to see. And apparently, like, that field's just sand. <laughs> so it makes it even harder. <laughs> yeah, uh, the wins there were crazy, too, um, on almost all those kicks. So definitely not an easy... Uh, place to make all those and you know they say they want to make that into a dome to make it like you know minnesota and detroit and all those other uh places up north while that would be great for tucker i'm sure he'd enjoy it uh making a 70 yard field goal uh uh, it's still it's it's nice to have stadiums like that where uh you know tucker can still prove he's the best um even if it's not uh (laughs) making a field goal with distance it's uh can you kick into the wind and uh, be able to pull it through with uh, you know uh, your technique, and he was able to deliver on that again, uh, which is always great to see. I mean, he's gonna need that, especially with the games coming up. These divisional games, man, we're gonna be playing at MT Bank. Uh, we're gonna be playing up in Pittsburgh, up in uh, uh, up in Cleveland as well. Uh, this is a a good practice for him, I think. Gonna have to get used to making these kicks. I hope they don't turn that into a dome. Actually, you know, the entire NFC North would basically be in a dome at that point. Just have to slap on a roof to Lambeau Field at that <sighs> yeah, Gosh, yeah. Football should be played outdoors. Baseball should here, be folks. outdoors. You heard it here, folks. <laughs> Basketball <laughs> should be in a dome. Hockey should be outdoors, too. I'm I'm not a hockey fan, but I've, the couple times the NHL has done their outdoor hockey events, it's awesome. I would watch hockey all the time if it was outdoors. Play sports outside. That's where it's supposed to be. That's my non sequitur for, uh, for the pod. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I think uh, you can take it a step further. <laughs> You know, basketball traditionally played in arenas, but I've, I've seen it on, uh, you know, cement courts, you know. <laughs> oh, man. So I, I do think it would be really interesting if you had basketball, at the end the NBA outdoors. Just think about, like, how much wind would be a factor. Like, you just, it would be like, would drastically solve the NBA's pr- problem where three-pointers are, are being, you know, continuing to be easier and easier for these guys to make. But I will say, I have played basketball outdoors uh, in July at, like, 5 p.m. before it's hot it's very hard so <laughs> i would fully yeah. I, I i'm fully in favor of basketball being indoors just because of that but <laughs> it would fair. be interesting <laughs> for the questionable uh coverage on the punt that had the ball soaring over time wallace's head he was unable to uh you know kind of create that short yardage situation for the bears uh welsh had a really monster game uh open field tackles and just creating where uh I guess Wallace came short. Yeah, Welsh. Um, I I will admit I really haven't paid too much of attention to um, the kick coverage unit this year, but uh, Welsh in particular caught my eye. Just I just noticed he was he was in on a lot of tackles and kickoff coverage. Uh, he's been doing you know, like you said he was there for the down on the punt. Maybe you guys have been watching him more than I have this year, but I, I just noticed today. Or, during the game yesterday like hey this guy's this guy's a really good special teamer that the ravens have here yeah i think between him and board um definitely our you know two of our core special team players i mean levine's obviously still there as well so um <laughs> he's the core special teamer until he decides to to hang it up i guess yeah i, th- I mean i think uh, if he keeps it up and he stays healthy i think he's going to be a core special teamer for uh, a couple of years for the ravens let's wrap it up with our mvp discussion we did say Yesterday, we were going to just say in unison, one of the guys. So I think it's time to deliver on that promise. We'll see if we all got the same guy. 
<laughs> <laughs> so uh, let's see. Let's find out. Three, two, one. Tyus Bowser. Tyus Bowser. Hey, he did it. <laughs> I just said his last name. <laughs> That's fine. Dude, yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I feel like I said it earlier, man. It's just like with the whole game going as it is, knowing that Lamar Jackson was not going to play this game and we had to sit and watch Huntley. No offense, Huntley. You did good. I think you might be an MVP. Maybe not for me, but <laughs> from the other two guys here, I think you played well enough to win the game. It was great. But gosh, it was a really hard game to watch, and Bowser just you know kept up and making plays, and finally ended the game with that sack. Uh, he's my hero. He's our MVP this week for sure. Do we want to give out uh, second place MVPs or <laughs> just leave it at Bowser? <laughs> That's fine. Well, I'll, I'll give I'll give another one. Here's my joking one. Uh, my joking one is actually Andy Dalton. And that's not because that uh, he is sometimes the Ravens kryptonite and makes plays where he has no business making plays. It's actually Andy Dalton because he missed a lot of throws that he probably should have made. <laughs> you know, while the Ravens defense played pretty well, and I think had tight coverage in some plays, there were just some throws and Andy Dalton was like, you missed that one, bud. Uh, you missed it several times. And, uh, you know, there were a couple of drives in there where they just kind of went three and out, four and out because... He just missed those throws. So I felt Andy Dalton kind of gets a uh, honorable MVP from me just because uh, if he was a starter, or if he were more like his uh, 2015 self, uh, he probably would have made us lose this game. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, Fields had a couple of those too. Like I said, Ravens defense played well, but yes, we're all, was also bailed out by poor, some poor quarterback play. I also think we can give one to uh, Mark Andrews. I think, as we already said, um, led the Ravens in receiving, uh, did a great job adjusting to um, some balls that we'll just say Lamar would have thrown differently than Huntley did. Stepped up big, knowing that Hollywood was going to be out and Lamar was out. Uh, So great game from him. I'll just give it to Patrick Queen. We saw him, like I said, have uh, the most snaps for inside linebacker, played really well, and that's uh, a guy that deserves an MVP after it's been a definitely a difficult season for him all right well with that we're gonna wrap up this episode of ravens recap thanks for listening guys uh we're gonna be recording our next episode to preview the browns game uh, next sunday night if you're gonna be at the game definitely enjoy it one of our another primetime games this season hopefully it turns out uh the same way it has for other primetime games that we've played already uh, we're hoping for another ravens victory heart attack victory if that's the case <laughs> yeah <laughs> Yeah, we'll see oh, how it man. goes. But in the meantime, uh, you can follow us on Twitter, Ravens underscore recap, uh, with all the latest up-to-date news and content throughout the week. Uh, and get ready for the Peter poll as well. You know, definitely expect to hear that later this week. Uh, you can also send us an email over at feedback at ravensrecap.com. We'd love to hear from you guys. But with that, we'll see you at the Browns preview.